Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph, so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. And the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. She kept his cloak beside her until his master came home. When his master heard the story his wife told him, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. But while in prison, the Lord was with Joseph. Thank you. Thank you and welcome to part three of this series, Living the Dream, in which, as you've just heard, it feels like the dream has become a nightmare for Joseph, right? He is beaten up by his brothers, sold as a slave to some Egyptian traders on the ancient equivalent of eBay, right? 99% negative feedback. He's taken down to Egypt as a slave, where he then faces sexual harassment in the workplace from Potiphar's wife who you may be interested to know was the original inspiration behind the TV series Desperate Housewives, right? <laughs> he, then, he then is accused of attempted rape and thrown in prison at the end of the story. But despite this dream seemingly becoming a nightmare, at the beginning and the end of this passage in Genesis 39, the same phrase recurs, the Lord was with Joseph. And that's the key to everything. It's as if to say, as brackets beginning and end, it's as if to say everything that happens in between, God's with this man in spite of these challenges. And as a result, did you notice, Joseph did not give up when life was tough, and he did not give in to Potiphar's wife. Instead, he learned to triumph over temptation. And so that for us this morning is our heading, triumphing over temptation. And actually, before we get on to Potiphar's wife, you may notice that in this passage, there are actually two forms of temptation that Joseph has to overcome that will speak to us differently today. Firstly, because life was tough, he faced a temptation to give up. And then secondly, as he rose up in Potiphar's house, he faced the temptation to give in. So let's take them in that order. Firstly, when life is tough, we can face the temptation just to give up. In chapter 39 and verse 1, we read simply this phrase, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. But he'd been taken down in every sense, hadn't he? Life circumstances had taken this boy down. 
He lost everything in this descent into Egypt. He lost his freedom. He was now a slave. He lost any sense of humanity and honor. He was a mere commodity in a foreign land where no one cared about him, away from friends and family. Surely, folks, if we could just empathize with Joseph for a moment, he must have felt the temptation just to give up. Don't you think? I mean, remember now, he's not seen Andrew Lloyd Webber's musical at the West End, right? He doesn't know how this is all going to end up. He must have faced the temptation just to give up. I mean, possibly give up in the ultimate sense, just to end his own life. Some of you may have been there. But at least the temptation to give up on the inside and just resign himself, what's the point of even trying? You know, what good could possibly come from my life now and just to give up hope, the dream is dead, forget it, give up and quit on the inside. But the great message of Joseph is actually he refused the temptation to give up. He refused to give up for the simple reason that the Lord was with Joseph. And that, folks, is a game changer. Amen? We can face some incredibly challenging circumstances in life, but not give up hope when God is with us. I don't know what that phrase meant for Joseph. I don't know what it meant. What does it mean, the Lord was with Joseph? I I can only imagine that meant that in those dark moments, when on the one hand he heard whispers in his soul saying, it's over for you now, pal. You know, what, you're nothing. It's over. I, fe- I, I can only imagine that he also heard another voice. The Holy Spirit drew alongside him and said, come on, son. <laughs> we can do this together. I'm with you, my boy. I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to let you fall. Yes, you've fallen over, but let's get you back up. We can go again. Amen? He got knocked down, but by God's help, he got up again. To quote Chumbawamba, or almost anyway, he got knocked down, he got up again, and he refused to give up hope on God and on the dream. And as a result, did you notice that he actually experienced a trajectory of promotion? He went in verse 1 from being a slave, verse 2 he's in the house of Potiphar, verse 3 he's Potiphar's PA, and by verse 4 he's become the chief operating officer. the managing director over the whole of one of the most significant homes in all of Egypt. In other words, the Lord was with Joseph. He prospered him because he made a choice. Even when life has taken me down, I am not going to give up. And now, folks, it's our turn, because I don't doubt that in different circumstances that I don't even know about, life's circumstances will have taken some of us down into tough times where we've been tempted to give up where that voice is whispered in our souls with a reputation like yours, with a past like yours, with a CV like yours. There's no hope now. I want to encourage you folks. If the Lord is with you, do not give up. He can work all things together for good. He can turn situations around. He can lift us up if we make a choice not to give up. Amen? I remember teaching our, one of our children to ride a bike, uh, parents' experience. And we, I, I took him out for an adventure. He'd just begun to learn to ride it without stabilizers. And I took him out for an adventure. And part of our adventure early on in it uh, was along a path that was on top of a bank going down into a river. And uh, I have to admit, I took my eye off the ball just for a split second. And unfortunately, his bike hit a bump on the road and it knocked the handlebars and turned him down the bank He didn't really know how to use his brakes at this point. I should have seen this coming. And he careered down the bank, hit a log at the bottom, and catapulted over the handlebar into the river, followed by his bike, right? This is what we parents call an incident. (laughs) 
<laughs> he disappeared into the river, and uh, I did uh, several brave things. Firstly, I looked around to make sure no one else was watching. That was my first instinct. Secondly, I took my mobile phone out of my pocket. And thirdly, I jumped into the river, which fortunately was not over my head, and I pulled him out. So I got him out, and then I went back in for the bike. They were expensive, we're not leaving that. So I went back in for the bike with him <laughs> sobbing on the bank. And eventually, with bike and son back on the bank, uh, he was sobbing with cold and uh, terror. Uh, <laughs> and so I hugged him and calmed him down. And as I was hugging him, I was thinking to myself, gosh, what do we do now, right? Go home and act like this never happened. Charlotte will never know, right? But I thought to myself, I should at least give him the choice. So I said to him, I said, Joel, listen, he calmed down by this point. And I said, Joel, what do you want to do? We could either turn back and give up and go home, or we can finish the adventure. And through the gutters of tears in his cheeks, a little smile broke through. And he looked at me and he said, Dad, I want to finish the adventure. And I thought, come on, yeah. It's a proud moment because that's not just a moment, that's an attitude that we need in life, right? Because sometimes in our journey through life, our lives will hit a bump on the road that we didn't see coming. Sometimes we will feel like we're careering off path and into circumstances that go over our heads, right? Sometimes it will feel like we've fallen off the proverbial bike in life. That can happen. The key thing is, what is our response? Joseph refused to give up, and it's like he looked God in the face and said, if you're with me, I want to finish the adventure. And I want to call some of us today, if we are tempted to give up because we face some challenges, I want to say to you, will you look your heavenly Father in the face? As he reassures you today, come on, my boy, come on, my girl, I'm with you, we can do this. Look him in the eyes and say, heavenly Father, I want to finish the adventure. Amen? Firstly then, Joseph overcame the temptation to give up. And no sooner had he overcome that temptation, he faced the temptation to give in. He overcame the temptation to give up. Now he stares in the face the temptation to give in. As he prospered in the household, he became noticed by Mrs. P. We'll call her Mrs. P. We don't know what her name was. Potiphar's wife. And I think it was actually all Joseph's fault for just being so good looking, right? Did you notice this? Uh, in verse 6 we read, Joseph was well built and handsome. A double compliment that's not paid to any other figure in the Bible, to my knowledge, suggesting he is the best looking Brad Pitt of the Bible, okay? <laughs> and he gets noticed then, as he rises up in status in Potiphar's house, he gets noticed by Potiphar's wife, who in a seductive voice, out of nowhere, simply says, come to bed with me. I've been practicing that all week and I still can't do it, right? <laughs> I still can't do the seductive voice. I've been practicing this moment. I hope you're reassured that I can't do that voice. Are you reassured? Come to bed. Anyway, out of, no <laughs> out of nowhere, out of nowhere, this sudden moment of temptation. It's very blunt, isn't it? It's not like you fancy a drink after work. There's nothing subtle about Mrs. P. In Hebrew, it's just one word, shakav. It's command form. It really just means you, sex, now. It's blunt, right? And here then, this young man, our guy Joseph, is staring face to face with one of the most powerful temptations known to man and woman, the temptation of sexual pressure. And here he's going to have to learn not only not to give up when life is tough, but not to give in when temptation comes. 
Now, whether you are male or female today, you notice here it's the female that's the temptress and the male being tempted. Actually, there's loads of stories in the Bible where it's the other way around, right? So the roles are reversible and the lessons are transferable, whether you're male or female. And equally notice, Joseph is single and Mrs. P is married, right? Male or female, single or married, we all face the challenge of triumphing over sexual temptation. And we need to learn from Joseph how to do it. And before we get on to that, I just want to clarify what the actual problem is with what Mrs. P is offering in this passage, right? You see, actually, sex and the desire for it is not the problem. The problem is not so much what she says, it's who she says it to. The problem is not so much what she says, it's who she's saying it to. In other words, not her husband, right? Sex and the desire for it in the Bible are actually considered to be good and a gift from God. He made us this way, male and female, he made us sexual beings. Remember the early Genesis account of creation? He took a husband and a wife, put them naked in a garden, and I think he knew what would happen next, right? Sex then was God's idea within the covenant of marriage, and the rest of the Bible celebrates it as something to be enjoyed. Song of Solomon sections of Proverbs, it's a good gift from God. So whatever else it means for us to triumph over temptation, it is not adopting a mindset that says sex is a horrible, dirty, wicked thing, and we should try and avoid it wherever we can. No, no, that's not the way the Bible thinks about these things, and neither should we. By the end of the Bible, actually, sex becomes one of the few things on earth that gets close to capturing the beauty and the glory of God's love for his people. It's a good gift from God, and as a result, it is a sacred and holy thing. It's not just a physical act. In the Bible, sex has something spiritual and mysterious and glorious about it. Here's how the message translates some later teaching in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6, 16 puts it this way. There's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical act As is written in scripture, the two shall become one. Notice there then, it's not just skin on skin, it's a spiritual act. In other words, as Christians, we take a higher view of sex than our culture. We recognize it to be a sacred gift from God. And therefore, that's the problem with what Mrs. P is suggesting. It's not that she wants something that is wrong, it's that she wants something that is with the wrong person in the wrong way that will devalue and cheapen a gift from God. She wants a casual hookup from something that's meant to be a sacred gift for within the covenant of marriage. Now, I don't know about you, but as I hear that, I realize everything's different, but nothing's changed. This is our culture today, isn't it? Our culture has lost sight of what sex was originally intended for and instead wants to cheapen into casual hookups something that's a sacred gift from God. If you're single, you can just go on Tinder, swipe right a few times, and you'll find someone to hook up with that you've never really met before. If you're married, there are apps to connect you with other people looking for an affair, one of them with a slogan, life is short, try an affair. This is out there, folks. This is the world in which we live. And whether we entertain those ideas or not, and whether we go looking for it or not, on our phones and tablets and TVs, sexually explicit material comes looking for us in the age in which we live. And the reality is we live in a world then that is searching for true satisfaction and a real relationship 
It's actually looking for the right thing in all the wrong places. It's a God-given thirst, but it's being taken to the wrong stuff. And it leaves people screwing around and getting screwed up and hooked up with stuff that ruins people's lives. That's the reality. If you're thirsty today, that's a God-given appetite. But whatever you do, don't go drinking from the toilet, right? (laughs) There's water in there, but it will not do you any good. So much of what people are giving themselves to today, compared to God's great glorious vision for human sexuality, it's like drinking from the toilet. And we need to be those who display a far more wonderful, high view. In other words, the Christian headline over this whole thing of sexual temptation is simply this. We believe there's a better way. We believe there's something far better than Potiphar's wife ever seemed to know about. We believe that there's a vision for human flourishing and sexuality that is when we live God's way, we say no to these cheap offers because we are those who want to say yes to God's way, the best way of living. So we are front foot and positive when it comes to sex and the gift from God. And we also recognize that actually in this area, probably all of us have screwed up in different ways. All of us are on the wrong side of the perfect vision for how we should have lived with our human sexuality. And I want to encourage you, there is a savior and a redeemer who came into this world because we've messed up in these areas. Jesus Christ is the one who can cleanse us from the inside out, make us new again, and give us a new start with honor and dignity worth living for. So if you have already been thirsty and drunk from the wrong places in this area, I want to encourage you. There is hope and redemption. And we don't have to live that way anymore. And with that in mind then, we want to look at three lessons from Joseph. How can we triumph over temptation within the cultural environment in which we we live? Firstly, three things. Firstly, I want to highlight that Joseph and we must refuse to compromise. The first thing is, in verse 8, we simply read, Joseph refused. Now, I want to just point out here then that you can and you must refuse. The very fact that he refused is encouraging, right? Because he was away from home and accountability. He was in a culture that was highly sexualized. He was facing sexual pressure from his superior. He could so easily have caved in. But he refused. Even by the end of the story, it nearly cost him his life, and he still refused to give in. You can refuse. You see, I believe our culture would want to pressurize us with the lie that you're isolated and there's almost no way out, as if, you, if everyone else is doing it, what else can I do? No, no, no. Joseph says, even if everyone else is doing it, you don't have to. You don't have to. God will always give you the strength you need and the way out that you need to say no. Joseph refused. You can refuse, and you must refuse. What do I mean? Well, when, when in, in verse 8 it says, Joseph refused, the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, and there's very many different ways that you can adjust a verb in Hebrew. This is in what is known as the intensive form of the verb. In other words, it's taking the ordinary verb and it's timesing it and lifting it up to a higher level of aggression, of assertion. It's almost combative. Joseph refused. As if he's not facing a nice sexual opportunity, he refuses as if he's facing spiritual warfare. 
he sees something else in this moment going on. This is, this is a baited hook, right? It offers something that is sensually very pleasing, a moment of gratification, but hidden behind it is a hook, a temptation that will lead him to devastation. And Joseph, therefore, refused. It's as if he's facing some kind of enemy here, and he's pushing back. Now, some of you may be thinking, oh, come on. (laughs) This is a bit over the top, isn't it? A little bit repressed. Come on, this is just a girl offering a guy a good time with no strings attached. What's the harm in that? Listen, I'd encourage you to think a bit further down the line in asking what's the harm in that. Think about what's at stake here. You see, temptation wants to get us committing a form of amnesia where we forget all about what, will lead, what this will lead to and we just indulge in the moment. Temptation puts a sort of nice juicy fruit of self-gratification in our hands and says, go on, you know, tuck in. Enjoy yourself. What harm could come from this? This will just make you feel good. And if it makes you happy, it can't be that bad, right? Wrong. <laughs> Wrong. Think, at what's at, think about what's at stake in this moment. Whole destinies are at stake in this decision that Joseph will make. This young man carries a dream from God that is both his own destiny and will lead to the saving of many lives. God's got something fantastic and glorious for this young man, and in this moment, all of it is at stake. This is not just a sexual opportunity, this is spiritual warfare. And he had to see through it, taking the longer view to realize, if I give in now, I will compromise my whole future and ministry. As one uh, U.S. pastor, Craig Rochelle, puts it in a helpful quote, he says this, Discipline is saying no to what we want now so that we can say yes to what we want most. I like that quote. Discipline is saying no to what we may feel like we want now in order that we might say yes to what we want the most. Whole destinies are at stake in this moment and whole families are at stake in this moment. Joseph reminds this woman, you're my master's wife. She's lost sight of her family, but he says, what about your family? What will the, if we do this now, what will this do to you and your husband and kids? And Joseph, though single at this moment, he doesn't realize it, but we're in the know, right? He's going to get married one day and have kids. What will this do to his family if he jumps in the sack with her today, right? You've got to take a longer view. Even if you're single today, you're making choices that will affect your life and relationships for the long haul. All sorts of precious things are at stake in this moment. This is not just sexual opportunity. This is spiritual warfare. Joseph is fighting for his life. I, I remember a friend sharing a story with me that really helped me to think this through. He, from his own uh, experience, he was a professional working hard. He had a young family, a wife and kids, and their relationship had grown a bit tired when at work, a new colleague joined the team who was an attractive female, and she was obviously attracted to him, and at the end of a day at work, she said to him, do you fancy going for a drink? Which more than likely would have meant more than just a drink, right? And he agreed. He's a Christian guy, but he was tired. He just lost sight, amnesia, didn't think about it. He just agreed, yeah, let's go for a drink. But before they went for a drink, he went to the toilet. And as he's standing at the urinal in the men's toilets, above him is a window, and it's raining outside. And on the window, the droplets are forming and running down the the window in front of him. As he's at the urinal, God speaks to him and says, these will be the tears of your children and your wife. 
And he stares at this window. And the Holy Spirit says, do your flies up and go home. (laughs) The Lord can call a spade a spade when he needs to, right? But I found that really helpful. Take the long view. Think about what this will lead to before you act. He did his flies up and he went home. Thank goodness. I want to encourage us today, it's not just a drink sometimes. It's not just a website. Think about where this is going. Refuse to compromise. Amen? Secondly, remember who you belong to. Refuse to compromise. Secondly, remember who you belong to. Joseph refused and then let loose a speech that is highly impressive given this moment. Suddenly, out of nowhere, he not, she says, come to bed, let's have sex. And he says, well, verse 8 and 9, you can see what he says. He says this, my master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against? And we'll just leave the blank there for a moment. It sounds like he's going to say, if you were to fill in the blank, sin against Potiphar, right? He's just referring to his master, you're his wife, I can't do this against Potiphar. But in fact, he doesn't say that. Listen to what he does say. How could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? Joseph deliberately brings God into the room, into this private secret moment. He deliberately calls to mind the fact that he belongs to God. And he's making his decisions in this moment of temptation with God very much in the room. (laughs) Now, this is so important to triumphing over temptation. Temptation wants to get us acting in secrets and shadowy places, hiding away areas of our lives as if they're nothing to do with God and forgetting that in those moments he is present just as he is in every other moment. Joseph brings God into the room and reminds himself that he ultimately belongs to God. You notice earlier in the message we referred to that wonderful phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. But just think with me for a moment, that's actually a swing door phrase, isn't it? It opens both ways. It is profoundly encouraging when we feel tempted to give up, the Lord is with us, don't give up, right? It's profoundly challenging when we feel tempted to give in, the Lord is with you. Now think about what decision you make. Amen? We must be those who recognize or remember, I belong to God. There are no private moments. He's always in the room. Even if Potiphar is away on business, God is in the room. Even if he never finds out, I act before God. That's Joseph's higher sense of accountability, and it's crucial to triumphing over temptation. Where I work at my computer in my study, often... You know, on my own, I have a scripture written over that whole area that I I appreciate as a sobering reminder. It's Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Now, that is a helpful reminder when you're working alone, the Lord is here. One day I will answer to him, everything I do is uncovered and laid bare before him. Come on, Andrew, you belong to the Lord. Say no to that kind of stuff. Amen? Amen. Remember who you belong to. And so in the moment when this sexual offer came, Joseph was ready because he lived 24-7 in the presence of the Lord. He'd been clearly disciplining his heart and mind before this moment so that he was ready for it. When she makes this sexual offer, notice Joseph's appalled. 
far from being slightly attracted to the idea, as if he'd sort of been secretly fantasizing about these kinds of things in his private world. No, far from that, he'd obviously kept his private world pure, so that when the moment came, he, he, he's appalled. I don't even know, no, how could I do such a wicked thing? Notice then, his spiritual instinct is coming from a heart of purity, and that's crucial to triumphing over temptation. If we allow our private worlds to entertain impure thoughts, to lust and fantasize, we should not be surprised that we will be desensitized and reduced when these moments of temptation come our way. We've got to guard our hearts and our minds 24-7 so that we are ready for any moment of temptation. Can I urge us to carefully control and monitor the kinds of things that we watch If sex scenes come on, even if it's your favorite series on Netflix, can I encourage you, switch it off. Because that will desensitize you to moments of later temptation and reduce your ability to respond. Don't read trashy novels and magazines and look at websites that just lower the tone. We've got to keep inner purity because in these kinds of moments, whatever is in will come out. Amen? Here's how Psalm 119 puts it. How can a young man... A young person keep their way pure by living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. And then here's the key. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Joseph lives a life that is thoroughly God aware, God conscious. Remember who you belong to. Refuse to compromise. Remember who you belong to. And then finally... As and when necessary, run for freedom, okay? Run for freedom. Joseph refused. He gave out this great speech, but the desperate housewife only got more desperate as he refused, right? And so we read in verse 10, though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. Notice this is day after day. Folks, in the world in which we live, temptation of this nature, sexual temptation, online or in the flesh, it will come day after day, and we must continue to refuse. And notice Joseph didn't just refuse now. Now he begins to make practical adjustments to the way that he's living his life to put distance between himself and the source of temptation. Did you notice that? He refused even to be with her. He is now evading, taking evasive action to avoid scenarios where this temptation can get through to him. I don't know what that means for you or for me, but we will probably all have to make practical adjustments off the back of a message like this. It's not just about saying, God, I'm yours and I pray you'll help me. It's also about getting practical and saying, actually... I think of one friend who in business, he was assigned an intern and he found himself attracted to her. So he took a practical step and he got her promoted to a better team in order to put distance between himself and the temptation, right? He treated her well, but ultimately he took steps. I think of a whole network of pastors who actually gathered a form of online accountability so that they could see what each other was viewing online in order to break the power of secret online viewing. You know, whatever it takes, isn't that the message of Jesus? If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, right? In other words, I mean, he doesn't mean that literally. What he means is do whatever it takes 
to put distance between yourself and the source of temptation. Practical. Now, despite doing all of that, Joseph, I mean, honestly, he's exemplary here. He does everything he can, but one day he comes into the house and it's strangely quiet. (laughs) Where is everybody? (laughs) And before he knows it, we read in verse 12, she grabbed him by the coat and said, I'm not even going to try this time. (laughs) Come to bed with me in a seductive voice. Notice Joseph's response. Look at how he responds to this, not, not just verbal or visual temptation, but now physical. Simply says this, but Joseph left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Run for freedom, right? He didn't just say, well, can we sit on the bed and talk and pray about this? <laughs> he said, I'm out of here. I'm sure this doesn't happen to us every day. This is an unusual scenario. It certainly doesn't happen to me most days, but I do recall one incident, which I'm sure you'll be amused by. I was at university, final year of university. I was engaged, actually, to to Charlotte, who I'm now married to. And um, I remember I was working late in one of the computer rooms, and I don't know how she found me, but a girl on our course found me. I was on my own in the room, and she came in. And to cut a long story short, she cut to the chase, and she said, you know, I had a dream, and in my dream, you and I were kissing. Like I say, not every day, right? (laughs) Doesn't happen every day. Do you know, I'll be honest with you, the first thing that came into my mind, this is true now, was not a verse from the Bible, but was actually a line out of a Hollywood movie. Run, Forrest, run. (laughs) Any other Forrest Gump fans? Honestly, that was the first thing I heard. Maybe the Holy Spirit can use Hollywood movies. I don't know. But anyway, run, Forrest, run. Actually, this is a helpful title over this incident with Joseph, isn't it? Run, Joseph. All of heaven at this moment was crying, run, Joseph, run. Listen, if you are facing sexual temptation, I want to encourage you, you need to run away from it. You've got to find a way to get out of the secrets and the hiddenness of it and to find safety by running out of the house or whatever that may mean for you. Don't sit on the bed and pray about it. Run, right? Don't just pray that he'll become a Christian and then maybe we'll get married. No, no, no. You need to sort that out and you need to run. Don't just say, well, let's go for a drink after work, but nothing more than that. No, no. You need to run. Don't just surf online and pray the Lord will help you. No, no. Run to accountability. We need to put physical actions behind our spiritual commitments in the culture in which we live, where it's day after day, we need to run for freedom. Amen? Now, Joseph does all the right things, right, and he still gets the wrong treatment. Now, think about this. He's left his coat in the house, so he's now outside, not fully clothed anymore, right, looking as guilty as a puppy sitting next to a puddle on the floor, right? He's not guilty, but he must have looked pretty guilty. Mrs. P gets her story all organized for when Mr. P comes home, and before you know it, our man, who's done only the right thing, ends up accused of attempted rape and slammed in prison. You know, sometimes in this world, today as well, there is a price to be paid for living with sexual purity. It's so worth it, but for some of us, it won't be easy to make choices that lead us to sexual purity. Again, to earth this in real life, I think of a friend who was away on business. He was a chief negotiator for his company, and uh, he was trying to broker a deal with another company, and and the lady who was the other chief negotiator was an attractive and powerful female. The end of a day of negotiations, she, they had a private conversation, and she said, I think we have a deal, but let's sleep on it first, your room or mine. My friend who was a Christian 
simply said to her, I'm sorry, I'm married, I'm a Christian, I don't do that sort of thing, and refused. Do you know, he lost the deal. He lost the deal. It cost the company for him to say no in that moment. But it is so worth it, right? Think of his marriage, think of his kids, think of the future. It is so worth it to go God's way. There may be a small price to be paid, but it is so worth it to make godly choices when it comes to our sexuality. Amen? Joseph then ran for freedom. And as he ran, notice, though he ends up with his cloak taken off him, he's no longer clothed in that cloak, but he is clothed in dignity and honor. He may have ended up in prison, but he is the one who is really free now. Amen? He may have looked like a complete failure to others, but in fact, he's just passed another test and he is well on the way to living the dream. I want to encourage you, whatever the price, it is so worth it. Think of how Joseph's story will end up. What a fantastic life he's going to live. And all because in these moments he made the right decision. And if we want to live out the story of our lives with honor and integrity, no matter what mistakes we've made in the past, we can receive cleansing and forgiveness for those, and we can set ourselves up with a new start today to live a life of dignity and honor before God. If we want our story to finish well, we might need to make some tough choices today. No, I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to give up when life is tough, and I'm not going to give in to the pressure of temptation. I am going to live the dream God's way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.